Well, amen. I love the music here at Canaan Baptist Church. First time I came, I was shocked. About uh, levitated off the front row. It was so good. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Appreciate your spirit, dear brother. Appreciate uh, this church. I I'd like to take this choir with me wherever I go. And I'm so glad to be with my friend Billy Ingram. And uh, so glad to see Brother Childs. Man, I was surprised when I saw him uh, coming into the building tonight. So what an incredible blessing. Now, I have a different uh, approach for tonight. How many understand if we keep doing what we've been doing the way we've been doing it, we're probably going to get what we've already got. How many understand that? So I can give you a rah-rah sermon, and we'd all enjoy it, I think, but um, we're going to go a little different uh, here tonight. Somebody said we go through some meetings, and some meetings go through us. I've been in enough meetings, hundreds of meetings. I don't care anything about meetings, but I'll tell you what. I like experiencing God, and we're on a journey, and I think we ought to go on a revival journey. I think you're already on it. One man prayed, Father, turn me upside down. Father, turn me upside down, because what's on the top ought to be on the bottom, and what's on the bottom ought to be on the top. He said, Lord, turn me upside down. We've been riding the crest of a wave of revival for over two months up home. Very unusual, I told the men about it. Our pastor got in a revival atmosphere. How many understand there's something different uh, when God shows up and shows off? It's good to be in town when God is. Our pastor got in a revival atmosphere. He came home on Wednesday night, got home around five o'clock. Seven o'clock we had prayer meeting. He got up and gave his testimony. I gave a little testimony. He said, what do you think we ought to do? Well, I, think we, I said, we ought to, I think we ought to tell God the truth. So we commenced confessing our sins. It wasn't a whole lot of us, but we started confessing our sins out loud, which was uncharacteristic for our church to say the least. And you know what happened? Pastor Mark went on a revival journey. He got on the Calvary Road and the church went with him. The pastor was hungry, the pastor was touched, the prayer meeting turned into a prayer meeting. He immediately called for three days of prayer and fasting on the spot, immediately called for three nights of heart-searching prayer on the spot, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. People came back. I had knee surgery on Thursday. I couldn't make it, but I stumbled in on Friday night, and uh, there was something going on. There was no special music. There was no special preachers. Uh, he just followed what he thought the Lord was telling him to do. And a lot of it, a lot of it was just heart searching, brokenness, repentance, and cleansing. It was a quiet, spontaneous, cleansing revival. He took some risk. Three days of prayer and fasting. Took some risk. Three nights. And every night the crowd grew. Follow the Spirit's lead. The church was fasting. I just want to say something to you. Y'all got a meeting coming up here, and I want to tell you something. Some things ain't going to happen apart from prayer and fasting. I don't know why we pick out the doctrines we like and ignore the rest of them, but Jesus said some things ain't going to happen apart from prayer and fasting. Our pastor went on a 10-day fast. He never fasted for 10 days in his life. 
And, uh, and he just kept going with God. It was incredible. Sunday morning, Sunday morning, um, he got up and spoke. Altar was packed. And um, this was not a packed altar church, okay? And uh, things were happening. People were getting reconciled. There's one lady in the church who had been sexually assaulted a year before. She wasn't raped, but she was assaulted. And there she was, kneeling at the altar. And God was breaking through couples who had not spoken for months got right. One guy who had not talked to his sister in 20 years went home and called her. They've been talking every day ever since. Stuff started shaking loose in our church. He called for five more nights of cleansing revival services. No preachers, no special preachers, no special singing. And the whole church was the choir. And we got into worshiping God. I'll tell you one thing came out of that revival. I don't have to listen to the internet to get my worship fixed no more. I can get it in my home church. And what a blessing. I'm just telling you, it's incredible. So uh, these services went on, followed the same pattern, lasting two to three hours, and then nobody would leave after that. It was just highly unusual. I never seen anything quite like it. Uh, pastor led, top down. Cleansing, reconciliation, repentance. And this went through, through Thursday night. On Wednesday, the first, the first uh, salvation candidate walked on the premises. Drug addict, former drug addict, biker, Indian kind of guy. You know, just look, he, 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 didn't look like, he didn't look like an independent Baptist, all right? He just didn't look like, thank God. And we ought to have people like that all the time. Somebody say amen right there. Well, he got under conviction, led him to the Lord. Next night, the second candidate, he came and he got born again. So the harvest uh, started right then. The church was transformed in 12 days. It went from a congregation to a fellowship. I think we're cursed with institutional religion. I, I personally think we got too much emphasis on supporting the church, forwarding the church. Uh, what about... What about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ and then having the church as an expression of that, but the church ain't the main thing. Say amen an anti-Roman Catholic, amen on that right there. That's right. Well, anyway, uh, our church got cleansed in a profound way. I'm telling you, it feels good to be clean. And it was layer after layer, dealing with sin, dealing with pride, Great emphasis on humility and pride. And you know, I believe that more happened in about 12 days than could have happened in 15 years of counseling. I, I'm just telling you, thing after thing. This morning, they baptized 13 people. 13 people this morning. And I'm telling you, the revival is not over yet. It's still going. So I said all of that to say this. I believe that we can cultivate the presence of God. Now, experiencing God in my heart and in my home. And I want to say this, every revival in history has started out as a personal revival. There ain't going to be a corporate revival. There ain't going to be no regional or national revival apart from individuals having a fresh touch. You know what revival is? It's thinning the veil between heaven and earth. Revival is thinning the veil between heaven and earth. And eternity becomes big and becomes real. The things of earth 
take their rightful place, growing strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And you know what? This cleansing revival, I believe that we play a part in this. There's things we can do to cultivate the presence of God. You know, somebody, Edward Glass said the church that's fully prepared for revival is already in it. The church that's fully prepared for revival is already in it. Revival is not an event, it's an experience. Revival is walking with Jesus and he walks with us. And I'm telling you in a revival atmosphere, the spiritual sensitivities are heightened to such a degree that things are realized and perceived and experienced that never happened under low light, normal conditions. Now here we are in our country, being in the shape that we're in, people are exercised about all of that. Can I just say something to you? That uh, you should quit worried about the shape of the country. And we're gonna have to get off politics and programs and personalities and get back to the person of God and hallowing his name, advancing his kingdom and implementing his will as far bigger and better than anything. And I'm grateful to be an American. I'm patriotic. I believe in all of this. But can I say something to you? Uh, the early church, they weren't saluting the flag in Jerusalem. They weren't saluting the flag in Rome. They were saluting the Lord Jesus Christ and it cost them their lives to follow him. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying tonight? James chapter four in your Bible, look at this. How do we cultivate the presence of God? Well, James chapter four, verse six. James chapter four, verse six. Look at this. Well, just stand for this, if you would, please. James four in verse six. Notice what he says here, but he giveth more, say it out loud. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now here's how, we, here's how we draw near. Here's how we cultivate God's presence. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I'm telling you, every move toward heaven is reciprocated. When you move toward him, he moves toward you. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your Hearts, ye double-minded. Look at verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy uh, to heaviness. I want to ask you a question tonight. Where is agony in the house of God? Where is anguish in the hearts of God's people? Where are the people that God can communicate his pain, his burden, and his, his, his desires in such a way that the people enter into the intercession that's going on with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where are the churches that are so in tune with heaven that the groanings that the Holy Spirit does, and when Jesus groaned in the Spirit at the tomb, where in the world is the groaning among the people of God be afflicted and mourn? Now, it's not like this all the time, but there's seasons when we need to just flat out get dead serious about this situation, pull out the stops, go for broke, look, listen to this, be afflicted and mourn and weep. A lot of weeping going on in our church. Our church is not an emotional church. I'm pretty emotional, but they're not. Now even they are getting a little, but be afflicted and mourn, listen to this, and weep. Let your joy be turned to heaviness. Listen to this, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up.
You can be seated. I want to give you three components in every revival in history. Bible revival, uh, national revival, regional, local church, personal. Three principles for revival from these uh, verses right here that are absolutely essential. Uh, number one is hunger. Spiritual hunger. Hunger for God. Fasting is when you're more hungry for God than you are for food. Hungering after God. Draw nigh to God. Listen to this. He will draw nigh to you. The Bible says, They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. He pours water on those who are thirsty. Floods upon the dry ground. Listen to this. Spiritual hunger. I want to tonight... I just wonder tonight, how hungry are you? Can I tell you, I spent a good deal. I've been at this for a long time, Billy, okay? And uh, I spent a lot of my life, uh, sometimes in seasons of heightened awareness of God's presence and hallelujah for the, for the uh, glory days. But, but you know, a lot of times I have not had hardly any hunger at all. So much so, there have gone days with no serious prayer. Can you believe that? But, but, but he pours water on those that are thirsty. They that hunger after righteousness are the ones that get filled. James Stewart said, if it took extraordinary prayer and fasting, if it took extraordinary prayer and fasting to cast one demon out of one person in Jesus' day, can we expect it's going to take less to cast the devil out of the church in our day? We got the worst of sins and the best of churches. And can I say something to you, my brethren? It's no longer them and us. Because a lot of us and our, our crowds in worse shape than the other crowd. And you know I'm telling you the truth. This is not the day for pharisaic, pharisaical condescension. This is not the day to be comparing ourselves among ourselves. This is not the day to be analyzing, critiquing, and criticizing everything. These are the days to become candidates for what God wants to do in our generation. James Stewart said there's never been a revival anywhere on the face of the earth where there was not a desperate church. A desperate church. Now let me just tell you about our pastor. I, I just can't hardly quit talking about it because this has been so meaningful to me. I feel like we're in a dry land. We're in a dry tree. But you know what? He got desperate for God enough. He drove eight hours to get in a revival atmosphere. Another pastor and a missionary went with him. Pretty desperate. I remember back in the day when I got into the kingdom when I was in the teen, early teens. And uh, if I'd hear of a move of God 200 miles away, we thought nothing about falling up in the car and driving 200 miles just to get in a revival atmosphere. I'll tell you what, I think I'm addicted to the presence of God. It's better than fishing. It's better than romance. It's better than anything. I'm just telling you, I, I, do you, do you have a yearning undefined at times? Does there something rise up in your heart? Is there something that just is crying out and longing? I believe that God's doing something here. You've got 40 or 50 people praying, 40 or 50 men. Praise God. How, do you know how unusual this is? So, so, so we're drawing near to God. And he says he's going to draw near to us. D.L. Moody said every revival can be traced to a kneeling figure. Only hungry people really pray. Listen to me. Adam Clark, the old godly commentator, 
founder of the Sunday School Movement. You know, you know they say that he was such a godly pastor in his little parish uh, that uh, he would go down the street and when he'd meet his people in his church, he would greet them this way. Do I find thee praying? Do I find you praying? I wonder tonight, do I find you praying? Hey, Harold, what about you? Do we find you praying? Oh, every revival can be traced to a kneeling figure. Alan Redpath, somebody asked him, he said, do you think we ought to touch, we're out of touch with our generation? He said, no. He said, I think we're in touch with our generation. He said, I think we're out of touch with God. And you know, to pray is just to be on speaking terms with Jesus. A little no extra charge nugget right here. The reason prayer meetings are dying is because they're problem-based instead of God-focused. Nowhere in the Bible do you see a truckload of problems and diseases being brought first. Jesus taught us to pray like this. Our Father who art in, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom, your will be done on earth. Before there was a human request, God taught us how to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. God focused praying, hallowing the name of God, advancing the kingdom of God, implementing the will of God, and then we get around to our stuff, daily bread, forgiveness of sins, deliverance from evil. Are y'all with me on this right here? And I really believe the reason that prayer meetings are so discouraging is because who in the world can keep up with all of the burdens and problems, and there's so many, and we should be praying for those things, but not first is what I'm trying to say to you tonight. You know, Aunt Susie's got toe fungus in California and cousin Bill, he's praying for traveling mercies and we don't even know these people and ain't no way in the world you can have a heart connection with people you don't know across the planet and get 30 minutes worth of that then have a prayer bulletin with uh, 500 more problems. And I'm, I'm telling you, I believe in praying for the sick. Trust you me, I believe in all of this. But I wanna tell you something. If we want to see God do something, we need worship-based prayer meetings instead of problem-focused prayer meetings. <sighs> hunger, spiritual hunger. And I want to say this, spiritual hunger precedes a spiritual feast. Number, number two, second component in every revival movement is humility. Humility. Mm -mm -mm. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the, who are the humble, the most unlikely, the most unworthy, and the most undeserving. Listen to this. I'll be afflicted and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves on the highest side of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, I, I wonder if we're, we're waiting on God to fall from heaven. And he's waiting on us to fall on him. God will never fall till we do. Brethren, humility is the foundation for all virtue. You know, God doesn't need my advice. And he don't need my permission to do his work in his way with whoever, however he chooses. And I'm not critiquing anything that the Holy Ghost is doing. I just want to get in on it. Historically, when churches... Uh, uh, Movements, they, they grow to, uh, well, David Gibbs told me the average church's shelf life is 70 years. And they kind of go through it all and they fade out into oblivion. Look in the uh, uh, churches of Asia Minor, none of them made it out of the first century. Five of them needed to repent uh, and Jesus was trying to get back in. 
uh, uh, before a century had passed. And can I just say something to you? That uh, brethren, you better be careful not to ascribe the work, ascribe the work of God to the devil. Well, I don't like, uh, mm-hmm. well, I don't like, uh-huh. but, 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 we had Ralph and Lou Sotero at the men's prayer advance. They gave the story of the Canadian revival. People got stirred, had a prayer meeting on the stage, spontaneous. One pastor in West Virginia went home, went to prayer meeting Wednesday, started at 7, got out at 11.30. With all of the revival talk we've heard for the last two months, I keep asking pastors, hey, how many churches in your area are having a fresh move of God? Hey, how many churches do you know that's experiencing a reviving touch? You know what the fundamental churches, you know what they tell me? Well, I, I don't know anybody. I want to recommend, and I'm not endorsing nothing. I'm just telling you this. I'm endorsing whatever God wants to do. And I'd like to get in on something instead of just critiquing everything. Billy, I don't believe in ecumenism. I don't believe in Catholicism. I don't believe in charismania. I don't believe in liberalism, but I don't believe in dead orthodoxy either. I just don't. I ain't got no interest. It's too late in the game here, brethren. Humility. Okay, Lord. Lord, here's three questions. Lord, Lord, I'm teachable. What would you have me stop? Lord, would you have me quit? Lord, what would you have me start? Lord, what would you have me change? I ain't got the energy to do everything I used to do. We got more people working with us than we've ever had, but I'll just tell you one thing. They know you're trying to memorialize something that had the blessing on it 50 years ago. I'd like to see the Holy Ghost on something right now, would you? Now, don't get cock-eyed on me here because I, I, I ain't preaching. I'm preaching the Word of God. Humility, humility. Humility is the foundation of all virtue. Jonathan Edwards wrote a book. Listen to part of the title, A Humble Attempt, A Humble Attempt to Promote Explicit Agreement and Visible Union of God's People in Extraordinary Prayer. A Humble Attempt to Promote Explicit Agreement, Visible Union, Extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer is any kind of prayer that you're not used to doing. Our church had 12 days of extraordinary prayer. <laughs> just, it, just, it, it just happened. And you know what? There's only one difference between a proud person and a humble person. And the only difference between a proud man and a humble man is that the humble man is willing to admit he's proud. Amen. Proud of our virtue. Proud of our power, proud of our knowledge, pride of learning, pride of faith, pride of grace, pride of all kinds of, pride of race. God help us. Mm, mm, mm. Humility, humility, 
humility. God said he resists, he opposes the proud, stiff arms the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. You know what we found in our cleansing revival? There were so many layers of pride. <sighs> by the time you get one knocked down, come to find out, here's another one. But by the time you deal with that, here comes another one. <laughs> and it was absolutely uh, 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 amazing. Humility. Oh. Hunger. But listen to this. Third component in any revival is honesty. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Honesty. You know, what, you, know what, you know what confession is? It's telling God the truth about me. Confession, brother, is just telling God the truth about me. That's all confession is. Honesty. Honesty. Now, the Welsh revival, they had four Four points, I'm sure you've heard this, the four main points that were emphasized over and over by Evan Roberts and the hundred other revivalists who were involved. Number one, confession of sin. Whoever covers, conceals, hides his sin shall not prosper. But whoever confesses gets in the light confesses and forsakes shall have mercy. You've got to be vulnerable to let God talk to you. Proud people, they don't need nothing. Got the doctrine right, got the Bible right, got the clothes right, got all the externals right. How about our hearts? How about our hearts being right? The sins of the Spirit are more despicable to God than the sins of the flesh. He said it'd be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for self-righteous religious Capernaum down by the sea. Am I telling you the truth here? Do you believe that? You think God hates a religious spirit? Read Jonathan Edwards on spiritual pride. That'll, whew, he takes no prisoners. Oh, but honesty, honesty. Openness, brokenness. If there's, if there's no openness, there's no brokenness. If there's no brokenness, there's no oneness. If there's no oneness, there's no revival. Confession of sin. Number two, a uh, uh, second thing in the Welsh revival, prevailing prayer, a burden for souls. A burden for souls. You know, you know when you're walking with God sometimes, you have these burdens come on you. You have these burdens come on you. And it's inexplicable. It's just, it's so profound. It's so moving. You know, in our church, we have a boy, he's being raised by his grandmother because his mother doesn't want nothing to do with him. And his father, another drug addict, 30 minutes away, won't have nothing to do with him. His grandmother's sick and he's 16, has no male influence in his life. And, and can I just say something to you? They're like that everywhere. God places a solitary in families, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. A burden. We know a doctor's wife, he just got, had COVID, about died, prayed him out of heaven. And now she's got inoperable, incurable cancer. We're praying for a miracle. A, a burden for souls. A prayer burden. I ain't talking about saying prayers. Quit saying your prayers. 
whatever you do. Quit doing your pre-recorded prayers. Quit it. Just be quiet. Half a prayer's listening anyhow. I know Baptists ain't really good at this. I ain't good at it, but I built me a shed, so I go out and listen an hour every day. Just being still, quiet. I need to shut my mouth. <laughs> and uh, uh, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. All my sheep hear my voice. Prevailing prayer. Number three, obedience to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Moravians, they said, would get up and preach on a text and and um, if they didn't feel like that they had adequately acted on what was spoken the previous Lord's Day, they'd get up and gave a, give the same message again. And if the leaders didn't feel like that they had really implemented the heart of the man, they'd get up and give the same message again. Figuring there's no use to move on to more information if we can acted on what we already got. How I many of you think we're educated way beyond our obedience? You know, my observation is a lot of churches are really good on instruction. Really good. I think we've been woefully inadequate on implementation. And, 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 and church is not a, a, a spectator sport. <laughs> it's, a, it's a participation, obedience to the Holy Spirit. You, you know what obedience is? Obedience is uh, simply doing everything God tells you to do. The moment God tells you to do it with the right heart attitude. Prayer is not a substitute for obedience. But I think most prayer is just asking God to overlook our wrongdoing and override, override all of that and just pour out the blessings. And I want to say this out loud tonight. There's more to prayer than asking and receiving. There's a whole lot more. Thank God for asking and receiving. I'm all about it. But can I tell you something? Brother, if, if we only come to God to get and we don't never come to God to give, I'm just telling you, something is mighty wrong with this picture right here. Evan Roberts, they say, would stand up in the meetings, would seldom preach, but he would often exhort, obey the Spirit. Obey the Spirit. People who were lost got saved. People who need to get reconciled did it. Meetings went on all, all hours of the night. All kinds of things were happening. And, 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 and brethren, uh, you, you know, there's a time to pray. There's a time to obey. Remember the defeated AI? Awakens over there hiding the stuff. Remember this? And uh, here they are. Joshua's moaning and groaning and complaining and complaining to God. Did you bring us out here into the wilderness to kill us? It'd be better if we were on the other side of Jordan. And what are you going to do when our, our enemies environ us round about? And what are you going to do for your great namesake? And God came along and said, Joshua, what are you doing on your face? Get up. Israel hath sinned. There's a time to pray and a time to get up and act and do what God tells you to do. The revival up home spread to another church. Let me tell you how it happened. The pastor has been, the, been there for 30 years, been the pastor for four years, and he's got a bunch of junk that he needed to confront, but God gave him victory over the fear of man, and he went for broke. On Thursday, we had a meeting, and God touched down, and on Friday night, he settled it. He said, Lord, if this costs me my job, I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. And he systematically confronted the unpleasant but necessary things to deal with. And, uh, and you know what? Nothing happened Sunday morning, but Sunday night, 
something happened. Service went for two hours and 45 minutes. They don't have two hours and 45 minute services. And I'm just telling you, it was on. I was out of town, couldn't wait to get back. I was struggling in a dry meeting and Oh, God, maybe you can cut this thing short so I can get back home. Anyway, I got home Thursday night, went over and got in on this atmosphere with uh, people testifying and sharing what God was doing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, but can I say something to you? That sin in the camp hinders the blessing of God. Sin in the heart hinders the blessing of God. Then It ain't fun dealing with the messy stuff. My son was married to a lady who had dealt with a heavy-duty thing, and he was out of town with his job, and my son is not an emotional person. He's like his mother, very stable. Wouldn't that be nice? And uh, <laughs> he's not prone to excesses. <laughs> Trust me. He says at the beach, open up the curtain for what it's worth. He said he opened up the curtain and he, it was as if God was there holding his hands out. My son don't talk like this. He wanted to kill the guy that, that came after his wife. So did everybody else. But you know what? God freed him up. God freed her up. Revenge is gone. Peace has come. Stuff like that. You know, you know, you know, all revivals begin personally. And prayer is not a substitute for obedience. O revival is just the beginning of obedience to God. And obedience is doing exactly what I'm told to do when I'm told to do it with a right heart attitude. The best way to start a revival in your church is to have a revival in your heart. And I, I just want to give a little testimony here that um, it took me decades. I'm not even sure I'm at the bottom of it yet, but decades to quit worrying about what people think. And you wouldn't be worried about what anybody was thinking about you if you ever knew how seldom anybody ever thought about you in the first place. <laughs> Ain't nobody thinking about you. Ain't nobody thinking about me but me. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I just want God, whatever that is. I will throw this out. I'm a friend of the friends of Christ. All his friends are my friends. All his enemies are my enemies. All of them. Every one of them. Every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, every race, every, the whole bunch. Praise God. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And, and you know what our church is right now? We're knee deep in love. Oh, oh. People are being drawn in. Second guy that got saved, he, um, on the la we, had a, we had our men's prayer advance in January, and on the last day he decided he was coming. And then he found out we had contracted uh, the church building for the prayer advance where him and his buddies used to go up and get stone drunk. So that was interesting. <laughs> he said he went up and we have a sweet hour of prayer where we send the people out to pray for an hour. He said he went to the spot on that hill. It's a big hill. 
He said he went to the spot where he passed out drunk. Spent an hour with God. He was the second one to get born again in this cleansing revival. Now, just stuff like this is going on all the time. It's just uh, incredible. Honesty. In Champaign, Illinois, back in 2006 or 9, I can't remember, and um, I rolled into town dragging, and pastor, he said, Harold, would you lead us in a revival prayer meeting? I said, yeah, because nobody needs it more than me. We got in the prayer meeting. You know how we prayed? We prayed spiritual CPR, confession, praise, request. I said, tonight we're praying different. Round one, we're confessing our sins. We're not asking God for nothing. We're not praising him for anything. We're not even thanking him. Round one, we're just going to tell God the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Confession. If you cover your sins, you ain't going to prosper. And he that uh, hides iniquity in his heart, the Lord ain't going to hear him. So then he used to say nothing else till we get the coast clear. Round two, praise. No asking, just thanking and praising. Round three, request. Confession gets the ear of God. Praise pleases God. Now we're in a position to ask from God. Let us pray. So I, I started out, Pastor Billy, and I was uh, confessing my sins. You know, I've had people tell me, we didn't know pastors and preachers had any sins to confess. I said, boy, are you stupid. And, uh, and, and you know what? When I opened my heart, that gave them permission to open their heart. I would, con- I would recommend a, a, a CPR prayer meeting before your meeting's coming up. Amen. You say, well, we, I don't think we ought to do that. Well, <laughs> confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. He that covereth his sins ain't going nowhere. Admit it, quit it, and forget it is the way you ought to confess your sin. He that covereth, admit it, uh, 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 and forsaketh, quit it, shall have mercy, forget it. That's the way we ought to deal with it. And we just dealt with sins for over way over two hours, seemed like five minutes. Sunday morning, got in the service. God's moving. (laughs) Went through the day. And uh, we had prayer meetings every day and every night. And we, we just kept on coming clean. Tuesday night, the pastor's wife, who is like my wife, who is very non-emotional, uh, very, very quiet. You'd never know she was there. And at the end of the service, she got up and said to her husband, I'd like to say something. She never says anything. She got up there and she said, you know, she said, you know, there's something wrong in our church. And I'll tell you what it is. We don't have any love in our hearts. Oh. She said, people come here and get saved and they leave. She said, I'll tell you why. We don't have any love in our hearts. Man, you could have heard a pin drop. Oh. I didn't know who was talking. I knew it wasn't her. I knew it was a God or the devil, but I knew it wasn't her. And then she said, I was raised in fundamentalism. And she said, there's something wrong with fundamentalism. And she, and she went to Maranatha, so calm down. And, and you know what she said? Uh, we don't have any love in our hearts. Oh. God spoke in that meeting, and that was the genesis of this revival. So we'd come together every day, and we'd confess our sins, and we'd praise our God, and we'd, bring, we'd pour out our hearts. Well, there was a businessman on Tuesday night, 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up with a burden to pray, which never happens, never happens. <laughs> 
So I'm out there walking around the parking lot and I run into this business guy. He'd been there since the meeting closed at three in the morning. He said, I said to him, I said, hey, brother, you go on and rest. I'll take it from here. So we're doing premise praying, man. We're perimeter praying. We're praying over the whole place. He went to the pastor and said, pastor, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. He said, we may never see it on this wise again. He said, let's extend the meetings. So we extended the meetings three times, went for 13 days, went up to falls right after this. They were gracious to uh, cut back on a little bit right there. But, but what, 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 I'm, what I'm saying is this, that um, there was this burden of prayer. There was this getting the junk out in the light, in the open. There was cleansing going on and there was heavenly testimonies going on. I believe in preaching, but I was in a meeting one time and my wife gave a testimony and the lady came up and said, Brother Harold, I didn't get anything out of your sermon. But when your wife gave that testimony, God spoke to me. And God speaks through cleansed hearts. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Exhort one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Uh, confess your faults one to another. 22 reciprocal commands. And, and when God's in the house, it's not an institution we're trying to keep going. It's a fellowship that God's breathing life into. Amen. Praying for revival is not a substitute for obedience. And brethren, not only we got to believe our beliefs, we got to start believing God. I want to make an announcement here tonight. God has not foreordained us to a Laodicean church age where ain't nothing going to happen and the lights are out and don't expect a whole lot. Don't polish the brass on a sinking ship. We're going down. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And evil men are going to act. Well, all of that's happening. But that's talking about the apostate church. That ain't talking about the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God didn't say to Laodicea, calm down, just chill out, be a bunch of deadbeats because I want you to prefigure what I want my church to look like prior to the return of Christ. No. Nothing. How many know not every note in some Bibles ain't inspired by the Holy Ghost? How many understand what I just said right there? If you ain't willing to unlearn some stuff, you ain't going to be willing to learn what God wants you to learn. It's worse than hyper-Calvinism. So according to your faith, so be it unto you. All things are possible. We sing it. Y'all believe it? Y'all believe God could touch down at Canaan Baptist and do more in about a couple of weeks than we could do in 200 years? Y'all believe that? I believe that. He, he, nothing's impossible with God. I think God's just waiting for somebody who's going to believe him a, a little bit. Even unbelief hindered the Son of God from doing some great things uh, because of their unbelief. Now, faith is believing not what's not so in order for it to be so. And the church came into existence in a burst of glory, and I believe it's going to go out in a blaze. Look, I'm beyond trying to salvage the free enterprise. I'm, I'm beyond all that, Okay. And if, you got, if you're thinking at all, you're, you're, you'd have been grieving the death of a nation, okay? But I, I ain't focusing on that. What I'm telling you is this. I believe God wants to send the fire back, the glory back, the presence back. And you know what? 
If we can connect with the next generation, we ought to ask God how to connect with the next generation. Well, I, we'd rather keep it clean than, 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 than uh, well, you need, you, you need to get out of the FFA, the future Pharisees of America. Generations broken. Grandchildren need to see something real. Children need a mighty reviving touch. <clears throat> Will you believe God to work in your heart? Can you believe God to work in your family? Oh, the things that are happening. Oh, the things that are happening, going off into all kinds of stuff. God's a salvage expert. Can you believe God to work in your church to where there's holy ground here? I've been in places where people drove, would drive by, they sense the presence of God. And they'd come in. How do you explain all this? You can't explain all this stuff. Now, I just wonder tonight, does anybody here sense something unusual could happen? I'm 66, man. Do I just want to have enough offering to support the ministry, to have events and publish books and have meetings? Absolutely not. I told Lord, I said, God, you know, I'll pray you'll do something over there at Canaan Baptist Church. And Lord, it'd be wonderful if it started tonight. But Lord, if it don't have nothing to do with me, just so you come, I'm going to be real happy. Who cares where? Who cares who he uses? Who cares of what method he chooses? Who cares if it's a quiet revival or a Flood. Who cares? It's God's business. Now, brethren, I'll give you a little challenge here tonight. Howard Springs said, the kingdom of God is not going to be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men, but by men in our churches becoming filled with God. Ah. So one of the key things in, we've seen up home is God's used this little brochure and others. To help us. So pull it out if you would. Heart searching for prayer, preparation, and personal revival. Mm. Confession of sin is necessary for fellowship with God and revival among God's people. Now there's 23 questions here. Prayerfully consider, third paragraph, first page. Prayerfully consider the following questions. Go through these questions one by one. Answer truthfully each question. Every yes answer means a sin in your life. In reading these questions, as you are convicted, confess it to God at once. Be willing to make it right. Then claim cleansing and forgiveness. Question paragraph four. Be sure to name your sin. Last paragraph. No matter what others do or don't do, Christian, leave nothing undone on your part. Read the scripture first. There's scriptures at the beginning of every one of these. Read the scripture first. Give a truthful answer, yes or no. Don't go to the next question until you've settled the one at hand. This is not just to be read, but to be prayed through. Don't read this. Pray through it.
So how about let's do this? Something different. Not okay, preacher. That I appreciate an unconventional pastor. Once you get your Bible, once you find your place, you've got plenty of places around here. Maybe you're on your knees here. Maybe some on a pew in the back. Get along with God. And I want you to work through the first three or four of these questions. Look up the scripture and then read the question and then answer yes or no and talk to God about it. It's called hard searching for prayer, preparation, and personal revival. Now listen up. Y'all got a meeting coming up? This is the opportunity of a lifetime. This could be what we've been longing for for a long time. This could be what we've been yearning for. And you know what? Wouldn't it be wonderful if God showed up before the meeting ever started? And if we're drawn near to him, he's going to come running to us with a grace ambulance. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. Get your Bible. If you can get on your knees, do it. If you can't, that's okay. But let's spend 10, 12 minutes and let's just work through the first three or four of these sections right here. Let's just get quiet and, and, and get alone. And I know it's a little different here, but let's, uh, let's just get along with God tonight, okay?